We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Welcome to the Lux Calore International Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It is the longest-running show, one of the longest that I know of, uh, sports on a Sunday morning. Boy, this show's been around a long time, and it is great to be with you on a very warm day. Took the dogs for a walk, Brian, and then uh, headed in. After doing some early morning sports cast with you, how you mm-hmm. doing? I'm doing uh, pretty well, considering. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, we're we're going uh, day by day here, and I know mm-hmm. that in terms of your beloved St. Louis Blues, yeah. it is uh, uh, going to be a four month wait here. Look, I- I'll tell you exactly what I said on Twitter, and it it took me just a night's sleep to kind of absorb it because I don't like saying it right when it's over. It's disappointing right. when it's over. Yeah, but I woke up the next morning and I and I was like, you know. <laughs> June 12th, 2019. Now, it's one of the greatest days in the, in the city's sports history. The Blues won the Stanley Cup. We had 14-plus months to celebrate that, but it's just the beginning. That team will be celebrated forever, and those were my emotions. It has been a difficult year in sports to get going and get things going. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins the Stanley Cup, it'll be a tremendous accomplishment. It yeah. should not take away. There is no asterisk, and you don't say that after you've been eliminated. It is a very special trophy to win. But for the St. Louis Blues, I'm still in a very good place. Yeah, I am too. I I think that if they had gone straight into the playoffs without the pause, they would have been better off. Part of winning a championship and then defending it, you know, you have to learn how to win. I think you also have to learn how to defend a, a title. And you spend all summer celebrating and people telling you how great you are. And then you play well until the pause. Then you have time to kind of think about it. You come back. Maybe you come back not quite as sharp. And that's what happened. You you saw them in the round robin. They didn't play very well. And they got it going in the first round of the playoffs. But you fall behind two games. And I think one of the biggest issues for the Blues was, um, I mean, obviously Jordan Bennington did not play as well. And I'm not going to pin it all on him. But Markstrom made the saves when he had to. The Blues goaltenders, and especially Bennington, did not come up with a big save when they had to. Last year, 
Bennington stopped every breakaway. It was amazing. Guys would come in on a breakaway. He, they didn't have a chance. He stopped every one. This time, I don't think he stopped any. And, you know, Petrangelo, stick breaks, bad luck. You need the goalie to help you out there. Didn't do it. Things like that. And I think they were playing well enough to win that series, but they didn't get the backstopping that allowed them to make a couple of mistakes and then, you know, live to play another day. Yeah, that's right. Um, Cardinals manager Mike Schilt coming up here in about seven minutes. We have a lot of stuff coming up on the show. Not a ton of hockey after our discussion here. So I do want to ask you, what do you think the future of this team is? Will they have most of this nucleus? Is it, I mean, it feels like Alex Petrangelo might have played his last game. He doesn't know. We don't know. Right, and I don't know how they're going to fit him under the cap. They're going to have to make a lot of moves to keep him. I wonder if that's why they didn't get Justin Falk and sign him to a big money, long-term deal, thinking that maybe they were going to lose Petrangelo and preparing for that and not leaving a lot of cap space. Uh, I hope he comes back, but, boy, it's it's up in the air. And uh, I just don't know how they're going to be able to fit him in, especially because the cap is going to be flat. You know, you're hoping at the beginning of the year you're going to get a little more cap space at the end, but that's not going to be there. So Yeah, I don't know. He's just been a great St. Louis Blue. I do think at some point he could very well have a statue outside. I mean, he's he's that important. He's mm-hmm. had such a great run. He was the captain of the team that delivered the first Stanley Cup to St. Louis. He was the first person to hoist the cup. That picture of him with the sparks flying behind him and holding up the cup is an iconic photo and video in St. Louis Blues and St. Louis sports history. I it mean, would make I, a great statue. Oh, It certainly would. Honestly, yeah. right? Yeah. And it gives me chills just to think about it. So if that is it, I mean, it's been a great run, but I'm not mm-hmm. ready to call it just yet. No, I, I'm, I'm very, very happy that he is back home with his kids and with his family and his wife, and I know that he's um, and a, a great human being, and I'm and I'm happy for him from that standpoint. And then deal with the hockey stuff later. But, gosh, you know, if you look at this Blues team, they didn't have Bozak in that last game. They mm-hmm. didn't have Steen. They didn't have Tarasenko. They didn't have Maroon. They didn't have uh, who else am I missing? Well, Blay missed a few games in there. But in that uh, particular Barbara game, missed you know, a few games. that game there, yeah, you, yeah, you know, I mean, you're talking about some big time grinders here right. and players that really made that Stanley Cup winner go. I'm not yeah. I'm, I, just being real. It just wasn't the same St. Louis Blues team. And Jordan Bennington had holes in 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 his game. I yeah. mean, he just couldn't stop pucks. He just seemed to, to not have that edge. He, he seemed to have lost his confidence. And when a goaltender does that, you're in trouble. And and I think that's what happened. Why and how he gets it back, we'll find out. But Vancouver's uh, got a shot. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a nice-looking yeah. team right there. And, yeah. you know, in this situation, it could be a team like that that just gets a spark and takes off and wins the whole thing. I mean, and Markstrom it, was just outstanding. To me, it looked like Markstrom's pads were too big because, I mean, he, uh-huh. he was there to block everything. And uh, you get a hot goalie like that, you can go a long way. Their young talent is tremendous. I'm not sure I'm pulling for anybody, but I wouldn't mind if they won the cup. I mean, they haven't won a cup. And, again, it would be like the Cardinals losing to the Nationals and that team goes on and wins the world championship. But, look, you know, that team wins the Stanley Cup. I'll either root for them. I might pull for the Flyers a little bit. You know, the 1975, last time they raised the cup, that's a long time. Yeah. And I have no ill will towards the Flyers at all, so... Uh, I'm good with that. Anyway, and as James O'Sullivan, our producer, pointed out, the only team without a St. Louis connection in there is Vancouver. Everybody else either has a St. Louisan 
or a former blue on their roster. Interesting. Yeah. Didn't realize. James. Yeah. James coming through with a stat, with, yeah. a, with a little nugget. Uh, James O'Sullivan is our producer. That's Brian Kelly. Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, is coming up. Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens, was in my garage. He was center court at Chaffetz Arena doing the garage happy hour on Thursday. He was great. We're going to run some of that back today at 11.05, 11.30. John Mosellock in his usual slot. We're about a week away from the trade deadline. That's interesting. And we'll hear from John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations. Curtis Francois. They're going to run the Indy 500 today in front of no fans, but he is bringing fans next weekend to Worldwide Technology Raceway. Gateway, Curtis Francois with us, the owner of the racetrack at 11.45. Brian Kelly, That's we good. appreciate it, man. You bet. We'll be listening. Thank you. It's 10.12. Mike Schilt is ready to go. I just heard from him. He's going to be with us. 10.15, the Cardinals manager in his usual spot. He'll be with us for most of this 10 o'clock hour. We'll talk some baseball with him. Good win for the Cardinals yesterday. And they are sitting not bad at 8-8 eight and eight, back in a moment on KMOX. The following is a special presentation of sports on a Sunday morning. Welcome to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. The pitch, the runner going, and strike three called. 80-mile-an-hour fastball. Votto barks at the home plate umpire, but that was in the strike zone. John Rooney with the call yesterday in the third inning. It was. It was a strike. Strike three, as a matter of fact. And the Cardinals saw Kwang Young Kim get the job done yesterday. 3 nothing win over the Cincinnati Reds. And joining us on his radio show, and it's always a treat to talk to him, especially after a win, that's Cardinals manager Mike Schild. How are you this morning, Mike? I'm doing great, Tom. How about yourself, sir? Doing great. That was impressive last night. Really was on a lot of fronts. But let's start with your lefty. KK had it going, didn't he? Yeah, you know what? He had it going. Um, good rhythm. Hitting with all his pitches. Um, a lot of movement on pitches in the zone with, with everything. Um, and made pitches um, the whole night. Did a, did a great job being very efficient with his, with his number of pitches and, and uh, you know, just really threw the ball well for his first major league win. Boy, he works fast. What a great pace he has, doesn't he? Yeah, it's good. You know, I mean, that's really, I mean, everybody has their own rhythm, their own own body, way their body works. And, um, but he has, you know, he has a, a nice rhythm, athletic ability to get the ball, kind of get it and go. And, and it keeps everybody engaged. Six innings for KK, three hits, no runs, no walks, and three strikeouts as the Cardinals had that lead, and it was protected as the Cardinals scored two in the third. I'm going to get to those runs in just a moment. I really like Harrison Bader's game yesterday, of course. But the the Cardinals get themselves uh, uh, three runs for KK, and then they turn the ball over to John Gant, and he's good. I mean, his ERA is zero, Mike, and and he goes an inning for you. Yeah, Johnny's been been really good and uh, came in and got a clip. Excuse me, Tom. Got a clean seventh and um, went back out and, you know, wasn't able to um, get a, you know, lead off ball to start the eighth and then Miller picked him up with a double play ball. But Johnny's been, Johnny's been very effective, been sharp, been fresh. Yeah, he's gone. He's pitched six games so far and in covering those seven and a third, he's allowed one hit. He's walked two, he's struck out nine. And as I mentioned, he has not given up a run, earned or unearned. So after that, Giovanni Gallegos uh, followed Andrew Miller, and they were able to lock things down. What did you think of your relievers from the left side and the right side, Mike? Yeah, you know, like I mentioned, Miller came in, picked up Johnny in the eighth, got a double play ball, um, then uh, base hit by Farmer, and then a walk to Votto. And and, um, so we 
we bring go to Gio. But I thought Andrew's been sharp. He's been around the plate. The walk to Votto was um, not as typical as he's pitched yesterday in, in the year. He's been he's been around the plate, and the stuff's been pretty good. So, um, you know, he's given up some some ground ball hits and balls that found eyes, um, which you know has hurt him a little bit. But you know, stuff's been fine. Um, and then Gio came in, strikes out Castellanos, tying around the plate, and then goes out as a one, two, three, nine. So. Um, you know, guys, guys were able to pitch and, and were able to get it done. Yeah, he's off to a nice start. Giovanni Gallegos gets it done, and the Cardinals get the save for Gallegos and get the win. Final score, 3 to nothing. And let's go to this offense. So here's what I just really enjoy is the fact that you can get some aggressiveness out on the base paths, and you did that in the third inning. So Dylan uh, Carlson grounds out to short, uh, but then Bader with the double. Here's how it sounded. Harrison swings and pops it. It's down the right field line. Long run in for Castellanos and the ball falls. Bader's digging for a second to throw. He's safe. Yes, he is. And that's just hustle. That's just Harrison Bader. He not only has speed, but he knows how to turn it on. Yeah, I mean, we know we expect a high level of effort. We get it pretty much every night from all our guys. And, um, you know, Harrison right out of the box didn't take anything for granted. And Put himself in a position to take that extra base. Here's Colton Wong. Wong swings and pops it. Short left field. Long run for Galvis. And he can't get it. It's a sliding effort by Winker. And into second base, Colton Wong with the throw. Going past third all the way toward home for Miley. Again, heads up play and hustle. Colton Wong. Boy, you got some burners out there, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got guys that can run. But more importantly, you know, you know, being a good base runner is about speed. But it's really about understanding um, situations and then using your speed and um, Colton did that as well. You know, didn't take me for granted. New, New Harrison had a chance to get a third. Um, was aggressive. You know, usually you take an extra base. It's what you did in the previous base that really dictates your ability to do it and do it successfully. And he got it down the line well, good turn, and then was in a position to re-throw and then, you know, use the speed to get a second base. Big, big play, obviously, with what happened next. Here's Tommy Edmond. A swing and a line drive left center field. That's a hit. It's going to score two. Here's the throw from Winker, and it's cut off. A two-RBI single for Tommy Edmond. Two-nothing Cardinals in the third inning. He drove that ball into left center field, didn't he, Mike, and drove it deep enough to get those two runs in pretty easily. Yeah, nice and bad by Tommy. You know, he's good from both sides of the plate. You know, big two-run single there to, um, to get us on the board. Absolutely. And in the fifth inning... It was quick. It was the first pitch, and it was... Harrison Bader swings on the first one, and he hits it over the right field wall for a home run. Home run for Harrison Bader. He gets the home run his first of the year off Wade Miley, and the Cardinals have their 3-0 lead. And as we mentioned, the pitching held up. The defense did as well, and the Cardinals win it 3 to nothing. What I love about Bader is that First of all, he makes those two errors the day before, and Mike, he was right there in front of the media. Now, you know, I don't know how how important that seems to some people, but it tells me a lot about Harrison's character. He's gonna he's gonna stand there, he's gonna talk about what happened. Errors happen. He should have made the play. He said, and he turns around and has a great day yesterday. Yeah, that's the son of a um, high character winning player. Um, somebody that's gonna stand up when things aren't well, and and um, you know. Face things and and um, own what what it is, um, and and then also the winning side of it is also the part of the next day coming back to it and saying you know what I, I got another opportunity and I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of what I can take care of and be ready to 
to do some positive things with the with the right kind of mindset, and uh, he did it. It was it was impressive. What do you think about his game just overall? Now we know defensively he is an elite player, and those things are going to happen in the field. But at the plate, what is he working on? Without giving any scouting reports, just how is Harrison coming along in that area? It was a good day yesterday. Two for three, two runs scored, and an RBI. Yeah, I mean, just taking. I mean, his, his plate doing discipline continues to improve. So he's taking his walks. Um, he's working his walks. Um, you know, he's he's starting to learn how to use the whole field. I thought that was representative of last night, um, clearly. And, you know, just understand that continue to have – I mean, it's not that um, Harrison doesn't have awareness how it's going to be pitched, but there's a – you know, it's just the it's learning curve. There's an experience factor that goes into this. And, you know, there's – there's um, and, and Cano, you know, people it, – it, where we are at the big leagues and where we are here in St. Louis with high expectations, which we embrace, um, the patience for that is not – you know, it's not high, and and the the rope can't you know sometimes isn't long, and so you know he knows that he's got to produce, and we all do. Um, but there's also a learning curve with facing major league pitching and how they're going to adjust to you and and be able to get in that rhythm and get the bats and get the experiences. Because one thing people may forget, Harrison got to the big leagues really quick, um, and you know there's a and and there's no absolute to it used to be 1,500 at-bats. You'd want a guy to get in the minor leagues. You'd be 1,000 at-bats. You'd want a guy to get in the minor leagues. You know, now it's not it's not the case because guys are getting here so fast. I mean, I, I had Harrison Bader in 2016 managing Memphis in his first full season of professional baseball. And the next year he's in the big leagues. And so, you know, there's a there's a – there's a reason we have minor league baseball. I'm not saying Harrison needs to be in the minor leagues because his talent is big league caliber. But there's a learning curve that you can't mistake yourself that unless you're a very rare player, um, and we've seen a few of them, i.e. Albert Pujols um, and guys like that, there's going to be a, you know, a lot of that learning takes place outside of people having to see it in real time and in, in, in the major league level. And Harrison's going through that process and, and he's coming out on the other side of it. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I mean, it is. It, it, it's hard sometimes to remember that it does take a lot of development in this game. I, I filled in for a play by play for Springfield for their radio broadcast, and Bader was in that game. That doesn't seem like it was too long ago, really, but he was their starting center fielder. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was like not long ago. <laughs> so, you know, there is yeah, a development. 2016. Yeah, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and now we're seeing. It's early, but you're seeing Dylan Carlson is learning, isn't he? I mean, you know, everybody wanted to see him. We're all seeing him. He's a special guy. We know that he has talent, but there will be an adjustment there, Mike. No question. I mean, I think your, I think your expectations are are um, misguided if you think uh, these guys. I and mean, we look, we're hopeful, and and you know, I think Dylan's going to be just fine. I mean, it's and had a lot of luck. I think his his approach. Um, is pretty advanced, so I will say that for for Dylan, he's got a pretty advanced approach. He's got a uh, an even keel way of seeing the game. Clearly, has ability. So, you know, I think his curve will be fairly fairly steep, and and he'll be just fine. And we can get him out there, let him have his at bats. But to think there's not going to be moments of inconsistency, um, you know, clearly we hope that's not the case. But but you know, you're talking about a 21 year old young man that, you know, just now got the triple a last year with you know last third of the season and did great and dominated and and is a great player and and i have every expectation he's capable of doing that now um 
but I'm also realistic enough there's a little inconsistency in what that looks like. The game is hard, and there's a learning curve to it. And finally, just to rounding out your outfielders, uh, Tyler O'Neill has three home runs, but hitting 170 so far. And, and Dexter Fowler has quietly uh, put together some games here. I mean, he has a dozen hits. He's hit a couple of home runs, but you know, he's hitting 279. He's made. He was DH yesterday, but he's been fairly consistent for you in the outfield. How have you evaluated those two outfielders? Uh, Dex has been great. I mean, he's taking great at bats. He's um, really worked hard on um, learning to play right field and playing, you know, getting to understand, you know, with that position a little bit more. And he's put a lot of energy effort into his defense and all aspects of his game. And, um, you know, it's showing up. He's he's in the right spot a lot. He's going to the right bases. Um, you know, veteran player, smart player. Taking quality of bats from both sides of the plate. You know, a couple of big homers. Um, you know, one in one in Chicago off Hendricks to, to get us on the board. Um, you know, Dex has done everything we've asked him to do and playing the way, the way he's capable. And Tyler O'Neill, so far, what have you seen from uh, your big uh, left fielder? Done damage. You know, he's got the three homers you mentioned, and he's taken some good at-bats. He had a huge walk the other night in that comeback win in the ninth um, off of Glacius. He's had some really tough at-bats. He had a couple of walks in Chicago that led to some innings that, that helped us win some games. Um, so, Similar to, to Harrison, getting his um, play zone discipline dialed in, um, still, you know, improving in, in other areas. You know, the average, it's, it's um, you know, the number one average really is offensive metrics, you know, OPS. His OPS is pretty darn good. Um, you know, the average is not as, as high, but, you know, he is getting on base and he is doing damage. And those two biggest things that, you know, you're looking for in an offensive player, you know, and, and we just – to get more consistency with the contact, um, but he is in his own more, and you're talking about even more damage, and, and um, you're talking about a, a really, really good player offensively. That's Cardinals manager Mike Schild. It's 10.30. We'll come back for another segment as he is at Bush Stadium getting ready for the Cardinals and the Reds this afternoon. It's a one fifteen start. Daniel Ponce Leon is the starting pitcher. We'll talk about him and a lot more with Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. That's next on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. Now, back to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman with the Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt. It's 1035. The Cardinals play at 115. Mike is stepped aside for just a moment to join us from his office down at Bush Stadium. And, Mike, we appreciate it very much. wanted to ask you about this fact, 181. That's the batting average against the Cardinals this season through 16 games. It's far and away the best number batting average against opponents hitting just 181 against your club in Major League Baseball. No one is even close to touching that just yet. And I wanted to go back to some who have made that happen. Back to KK yesterday. And more, I guess, than the numbers. And he's really good. But what a year. I mean, you think about what he has gone through. And not only coming over to this country, but then right in the middle of a pandemic, uh, he jumps into a major league club for the first time and does that last night. I mean, that's pretty special. Yeah, you know, alluded to it earlier, but um, speaking to his character, he's just a winning, winning guy. He's got a, a really wonderful personality. He's clearly got a flexible um, go with the flow Um some mental toughness. I mean, all that's required to deal with everything he's dealt with. Uh, I mean, you know, in and of itself, it's a challenge and 
to come to a, to another country, um, compete in another league. Um, everything's you know foreign. He doesn't know the he doesn't know the league. He doesn't know the culture. He doesn't know um, you know pretty much anything about what's going on over here. And everything is he's learning on the fly and he's adjusting and um, he adapted really well. Um, in normal circumstances, that that's something that's already a, a, a inherent challenge, and then the world stops, and um, you know he's pretty well stuck with his interpreter, without his young beautiful family, and um, then comes to St. Louis, and you know got three and a half months where he's really just hanging out, and um, that, that's got to be, uh, I can't imagine how hard that is. I mean, that was it's a it was a challenge for, and it still is, you know, for all of us what's going on. It was a challenge for me. And I was with, you know, a beautiful Brian Michelle and the family and, um, you know, we were safe and, but it was still, you know, it was different. And, and but this guy's in a foreign country with, without his family. And then we get back to resuming and summer camp and, you know, we change his role at the end with Carlos and miles earning their spots back in the rotation. And, um, and he goes to bullpen and it's, good attitude about it you know win first team first kind of guy and uh and then he you know we have another setback and another pause um for two and a half weeks and based on carlos and miles situation put him back in the starting rotation build him up and he gave us a good start um in chicago and he gave us a, a really quality start yesterday so you know it's, it's, it's pretty impressive absolutely i mean <laughs> and I love that Wainwright, of course, Waino is one of the first people to greet him, to befriend him, to, to be with him. But mm-hmm. I know that you have mm-hmm. some some great teammates. But that's a that's a cool relationship. I loved hearing that they were out playing catch, you know, during all of this. Yeah, you know what? It's um you know, you you, you hope you never take for granted the people of Adam Wainwright's character. Um you know, we, we appreciate what he does here. Um, for the group, his leadership, his stewardship, his heart for people. Um, but when it carries over into away from the field, um, you know, him and Jenny, I know were very welcoming of, of KK. And of course, they, you know, took, you know, were obedient with the social distancing and all that. And everybody was, was super smart, I'm sure. But, um, you know, they're just high character people that, that just care. And, um, you know, he's going to shepherd what goes on here and help grow the, the players here, but he's also going to be intentional about helping people and caring about people, um, you know, in something that's bigger than baseball. It's just um, very admirable, Adam Wainwright. No doubt. And he's been a big part of everything that's happened here so far on the mound as well as the Cardinals, as I mentioned, have been very good out of the gate pitching-wise. We knew this team excels in run prevention in your club. Uh, when it has all phases going, is very, very tough to beat. But just with the run prevention itself, I mean, look at Dakota Hudson. Now, that was a performance, man. And now, I, and understandably, like, and you mentioned it, there's a pitch count. This is a different kind of year. You have to adhere to certain things. And I know that's not easy necessarily uh, to take somebody out of the game after they're pitching so well, but it had to be done, didn't it? Didn't have to be done, but I did it. Um, <laughs> you, you know, the, I mean, times you know, no one, you know, look, we're, we want to win, we want to compete. Um, there's, there's, every person in clubhouse has a dedication to us, us, you know, winning baseball games, and including Dakota, a lot of time, energy, effort into it, but. Um, 
you know, when you look up and you've had multiple pauses and you physically guys can't get outside for two and a half weeks almost. Um, and you've got, and regardless, I mean, we're clearly going to be a little bit more aggressive with, um, you know, Wayno, who's, who was able to do some things, um, a little bit more than other guys built, built for it. And is you know, on the road and, and in his, in his home setting, you know, but I can't look up with Dakota and, and go, and we took him to, to write at his limit the first outing. He had a long first inning, the first outing, and then settled down um, and took him right to where we were comfortable. Um, and then, you know, he's, all these guys, hardly any of them are going to get a more than a – most of them are going to be a five days where typically during the course of a season you get him on a sixth day or skip a guy. And, you know, we're going to have to ride with a lot of five, five-day rotations for a while. And we do get a couple times where we can – guys get an extra day. And he's coming back out, and he threw 55 pitches, and we were comfortable with him throwing no more than 75, which is a 20-pitch increment. Um, and he was right there, and he's threw great. You know, he's got a shutout going to fifth. I mean, I you know, I don't claim to be the manager, of the, you know, best manager in the game, but, you know, I've managed a few games, and it's not typically where you take guys out. So, you know, but and it's a challenge to – to do it, but it's the right thing. And my wrap-up point is this: you know, you got Bado coming up, and he's capable of having a eight to ten or twelve pitch at bat. And so now you're talking about if he has something close to that, you're talking about you know almost going half the pitches more than he threw previously in his next outing. And we would never ever do that in a build-up scenario. Um, and it's just not fair to to Dakota from a from a long-term standpoint. And, you know, the conversation is, and I've heard it at the amateur levels or the professional levels, you know, he, I feel good. He feels good. He looks good. Yeah, in the moment, you feel great. And, um, you know, but the next, the, my obligation to Dakota and his family and this organization is the health of our players. Um, and we know they got to play. And, but, and there's every day they go out there, they're, they're compromised on some level to, you know, to be, to be challenged. But I've got to use my judgment and my experience and the, staff's experience to make those decisions and I want to make sure that Dakota Hudson's good on September 5th on September 20th on October the 10th and you know February of my man um, in February of 2021 and um, that's what resonated that decision and you know that's the that's where we're at but Tom you know as you know we're in unprecedented times where you know we're talking about three different breaks. We're talking about two and a half weeks out in the middle of the season, losing a third of your club and half your staff. And, um, you know, there's going to be some, some residual um, things that, that happen because of that. And we accept it, manage it and, and do the best we can with it. Thank you for that. And uh, I, I know that you have a lot of pitchers you have your eyes on right now. You know, I mean, you have Carlos Martinez, he's throwing, you have Ryan Helsley, he's throwing Jack's going tomorrow. But you have those two, uh, Martinez in particular. How is Carlos looking? And that has been a recovery as well for him as he starts to work his way back. Yeah, throwing, um, you know, looking to maybe get him through a side. Yes, he recovers, um, and we'll see. Um, we'll see what that looks like, and um, look to throw maybe a live situation tomorrow, live to hitters, and, and we'll evaluate it. Helsley's coming back looking strong and we'll ease him into the mix and get him back going and get him in competition appropriately. 
Appreciate you, Mike. Until Monday. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Great to be with you. You too. Cardinals manager Mike Schild with us. Our, I'm going to give you our uh, memorable play of the game. It's sponsored by Dolan Memory Care Homes. If you have a loved one with dementia that needs a safe place to live, contact Dolan Memory Care Homes where they have no more than 11 residents per household. Visit dolancare.com. Hmm, what should I go with? I played a couple for you already earlier in the show. Uh, I'm going to go with this. The two on, the one-two pitch, a swing and a miss. He struck him out. Giovanni Gallegos. I like this pitcher a lot. Ninth inning. Here's the mix by Gallegos on a ground ball to the second baseman in the outfield glass. He throws and he gets him. The Redbirds win this one three to nothing. I'm telling you, this is a special reliever. He looked good. He's looked good ever since early last season. After they went to Mexico, they came back, and he has been money. He is a tremendous reliever. I don't know that he gets talked about enough, but Giovanni Gallegos is a special pitcher, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Cardinals use the back end of their bullpen because they have some serious weapons back there, including Gio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to transition into some hoops. Travis Ford will join us for the first part of our conversation leading into the 1130 talk with John Moselock, Cardinals president of baseball operations. Curtis Francois with us. At 11.45, talking some racing on sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to the Lux Calore International Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Oh, you know, we're live right now. But boy, I, I, I love that college hoops coach. You know that? And, and uh, if we can get college basketball, I'll be a happy man. This right here is one of my favorite guys in the game. This is Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens. Thank you for joining us on the Garage Happy Hour. It's overdue. I, I, yeah. It is overdue. I, I needed to have you on, but I kind of wanted to get a little closer to hoop season. I was just telling you off the air, like, boy, I've just had my fingers crossed that so we can get our college basketball in because it has been a tough year, hasn't it, Coach? I mean, we're all dealing with a lot of things bigger than sports. Well, we are. And first of all, Tom, I appreciate this. is an honor for me. I'm a huge, huge fan of yours. And I've been following the Garage Happy Hour. And, I, you know, uh, I'm following some big footsteps, to say the least. <laughs> so I'm absolutely honored uh, to be on. And uh, in these crazy times, as I'm sitting here at midcourt of Chaffetz Arena, uh, no fans in here now, but hopefully we get some in here soon. Uh, just finished a practice up with the players and uh, had a great workout today. And, you know, uh, it is. It's been crazy times these last three or four months. So obviously, like nothing any of us have ever experienced. Uh, I, I know it. It really is. And, and I know it's going to be every day. It's, it's, yeah. it's a day-by-day situation. Uh, how do the guys look? And what's, what's the current situation with uh, your team and your schedule as you know it? Yeah, you know, this is the first time probably in the last 15 years of these players' lives that they actually took three months off and did nothing. As we were all quarantining and sitting in our homes and eating and, you know, uh, gaining weight and all those things, my players were doing the exact same thing, unfortunately. Uh, but we actually got back together somewhere mid, mid-June. Uh, we brought them back to campus. Uh, again, our first priorities also try to keep everybody safe uh there's uh, our administration from fred pastello our president of the university to chris may our athletic director have done an amazing job incredible job of putting together guidelines protocols for our players 
uh, and all the athletes and all the students here at SLU. But we brought them back and we spent about really the first time, about the first three weeks, four weeks, just conditioning, lifting weights. I wanted to get back into it very slow just because they'd been off for so long. We didn't even concentrate on basketball for a month probably. Just tried to get these guys' bodies back. And now probably over the last four to five weeks, we've been doing a lot of individual workouts with our players, no more than really four at a time still trying to social distance, wearing masks during the workouts. Uh, we haven't really done any five-on-five five yet. That's going to be coming soon, I hope. But it's a very slow process, very slow process, trying to get back into the flow of things uh, because we're just trying to stay safe as best we can. Yeah, I hear that. And, you know, you have a good team, too. I know that that also plays into it. I wanted to kind of go back in time also because the way it ended was – was tough. I mean, you had a team that you thought had a shot to win the A-10 tournament again, and you were actually on the court, weren't you, in New York, mm -hmm. and they said, guys, that's it. We're, we're calling yeah. the tournament. Yeah, when you talk about literally on the court, we were in the middle of practice uh, in New York City, in, Brook or in Brooklyn, uh, and Chris May walks in in the middle of practice, and I knew the look on his face that this is not good, but I expected it. I knew it was probably coming. The NBA had just shut down, so we knew, all right, you know, we're probably going to be next. A few other leagues had already shut down. Um, so, uh, you know, when he came in and gave me the news, I debated a second because we were having one of our best practices of the year. And I said, might as well quit now. It doesn't do any good to keep going. So I just ended practice, brought everybody to midcourt, told them the situation. You know, there were tears. There were guys really tore up because, you know, they were excited about the opportunity in front of them. Uh, as you mentioned, we thought we were as hot as any team in the country. We'd won 10 of our last 12 games. One of those losses was right here on a last court shot by at, against Dayton, probably the top two or three teams in the country. Um, so we were really on a roll, really playing well. Thought we had a chance to definitely repeat and be A-10 champions again. Um, but I explained to them. Uh, I understood. I explained to them, you know, our health and the health of other people is the priority. Um, and we all left. We left Brooklyn that night. Everybody kind of went their separate ways, and we weren't together for almost three and a half, almost four months, which has not happened for me in probably the past 40 years, not being around a yeah. team. Um, but uh, it's great to be back. It's great to get back to a little bit of normalcy. We just take little baby steps each and every day. Uh, but, yeah, those were strange times in Brooklyn, really strange. I'm sure they were. You got a, some players, too. You, you have a team. Uh, now, preseason predictions, they're going to start rolling out here, and you're going to be picked by a lot of people to win this conference. I know that most coaches will tell you preseason predictions are just that, preseason right. prognostications. you got to do it. But you have to be excited about who you have coming back. I am, Tom. There's no, there's no question. When you, when you return pretty much every single player except one, uh, Tate Weaver was played – seventh man or so, uh, you know, is the only non-returning player. You got everybody else back. You're starting five back, top seven. You know, I think our top eight scores are back. And you add to that, Fred Thatch and Gibson Jimerson didn't play at all last year or any conference play. These are double-digit scores. And that's an exciting thing for Travis Ford. We will hear more about that team and tell a few stories with the Billikens coach after the news. We'll break for that. 11.05 back with Travis Ford on Sports on a Sunday Morning. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.